0: We're in First Peter. We're in the second chapter. If you just want to open up your Bibles, please do. We're going to get there eventually. I tell you at the end of the service, I love you. That is, that is a truism. I love you with all of my heart. Now, I, I've told you before why, and, and today I think is going to explain a little bit more on why, why we are to have love for one another within the body of Christ. I ask you to turn to, uh, to First Peter, the second chapter, But uh, this is not a part of my notes. I just wanted—I just felt like uh, I I wanted to tell you about Peter. I had come into this this whole series in First Peter, really hating the fact that I had to leave Romans and Paul. I just love Paul. I love everything about who he is. I I feel knit to Paul. I can't wait to one day just look at him. I don't have to talk to him. It's fine. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I just want to see. What does he look like, and and what does he do, and how does he act and react, and all of those things. And Peter, to me, wasn't like Paul. Paul was a man of of great grace and and great faith. Well, Peter's the same. Now, I love Peter. He's an apostle. But I I just didn't see him in the same light. And all of a sudden, I am. All of a sudden, I'm seeing Peter for who he is. And Peter basically is different than Paul, Paul being a man of, of more faith and faith in christ alone peter was a leader he was the leader of the disciples of the apostles he was the one who saw out there he was the one who wanted to get things going and so he was a little more abrupt i would say and i think this is exactly why our lord had peter write about going through difficulties peter would not mince words he would tell us look remember how he said in the first first chapter verse one right from the beginning he said you who are who are scattered across Rome he says you are aliens and he basically let them know that this is not your earth this is not your place this is not where you're going to make your forever home you are aliens here your home he 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 reminded them is in heaven that is where you're going you are an eternal being and he says even though you are going through difficulties and he said that to us well, as well. And he taught us that, that, that all of us are going to go through difficulties. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you will not have any troubles down the road. We all will go through difficulties. But Peter was saying that even in the midst of that, you have a God that loves you so much. As a matter of fact, let, let's do this. Let, just for the fun of it, please forgive me and, and bear with me. I want to look back at what we, what we were, were taught by Peter. Look at chapter 1 for a moment. I have not no notes on this, so I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. He said in verse 4, We are going to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. It is undefiled. It will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith. Folks, I'm telling you, that is an assurance that goes beyond anything you and I could ever dream or hope of. That this place, this place in heaven is, is reserved, it is protected, it is, it is there for us. It is protected by the power of God. It is such a, a comforting, it should be such a comforting thought to you. And so Peter is saying in the midst of the difficulties you still have this salvation. You still have this love of Christ. And then he told us, And take a look uh, for instance, he's, he said so therefore, verse 13, just jump to that. Therefore, he says, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in your spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 14, be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient, children of God. Now, we mentioned that he said that because he was disobedient. He was the one that said that, Lord, no matter what, no matter what happens to you, you can count on me. I'm there. I'm there with you to the nth degree. Don't you dare worry. You'll never have to be alone with me in the group. And there he is at the at the trial of Jesus Christ when they arrested Jesus Christ. And he was asked three times, You're one of them, aren't you? And he says, I don't know him. No, no, we know that you are. I swear to you, I don't know him. Three times he said that. And so it, it's obvious to me that he would be talking about obedience. It's, it's obvious to me that he would say, be obedient, children. Really be be faithful in who you are. Which brings us to to, to the second chapter, to where we are. And he, he started off the second chapter by saying, Therefore, in other words, oh no, wait. Yeah, therefore, I jumped to, I, I turned the wrong page. I went to verse four, chapter 4, but it starts with therefore as well. But therefore, it says in chapter 2, put aside all, and then he mentions some sins, but what he's basically was saying is, put aside sins, You don't have to live under that burden anymore. And the reason he says, therefore, he wants us to remember what he just told us in the first chapter. Namely, in verses 23. Verse 23 of chapter 1, look. You have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but that which is imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God, which I absolutely adore. I adore the very thought that, that what you and I know and everything that we are and all that we put, all of our, our, our everything on us, uh, we put upon the Word of God. This is everything to you. It ought to be. This is everything to me. It is. It is the very essence of what I come here for and why we have church is to allow God to speak to us through His Word, which is everything to us. So therefore, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, put aside all malice, all sin. And like, he says in verse 2, like a newborn baby, long for the pure milk of the word. By it you may grow in respect to salvation. Well, he brings us now to, to where we are in this chapter. Chapter 2, we're just going to look at two verses. And I'm sorry if we seem to be going a little slowly at this time, but... This is, this is stuff that you and I need to understand. He now is going to talk to us as a body of believers. He's going to talk to you and me about the importance of who we are as followers, believers in Jesus Christ. It's, it's For those of you that are here and you're not yet a believer, you're, you're investigating this whole thing called Christianity or whatever you might want to call it, I want you to listen closely to what our Lord has to say. This, this message is to you as much as it is to those of us who already know Him. And we don't want, I don't want, we as a church don't want you who are, are, are here and, and investigating about faith, we don't want you to be turned off by something or someone who has done something to hurt or harm you. I want you to know that all of us believers who say we are Christians, we are all sinners that are s- simply saved by the grace of God. We, we shouldn't and, and no one should ever claim that we're perfect just because we're a believer. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to fall short. And we don't want you to be discouraged by what you might see in us. We want you to examine Jesus Christ. Look at Him. See who He is. Understand Him so that you can make a, a very concerned and very logical decision whether to follow Him or not. And so don't put your hopes and dreams on us. The reason I, I say that at all is just last night after the service, sat down with someone of, of our church and was telling me that, uh, that someone stopped coming to church because someone here in the congregation hurt their feelings. And they didn't feel uh, that, it, that it was deserved and, and they got hurt. And so they're not going to church anymore because all you Christians are hypocrites. Well, I don't want you to be turned off by that. Yeah, We are hypocrites. Yeah, we're sinners. Some of us do terrible things, but we are saved by the grace of God. And that's what we want for you. We want you to know the wonders of Christ. And we want you to examine Him so that little by little, moments by moment, your life will be more conformed into His. And you can be a person that walks with Christ like we want to be. And so I do mention that for that very reason. Now let me get to my notes. I want you to know that that we as believers in Jesus Christ are a very special class of people. I say that because we have a very unique and eternal spiritual favor with God, if you would, because we are a part of His family. We have placed our faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sin. And so Peter shows us our advantage as believers in Jesus Christ by saying in verse 4, we are to come to Him. Now, come to Him is a simple statement if you look at it apart from the Greek rendering of what it means to come to Him. The Greek rendering of the words come to Him are much more than simply accepting Him as their Savior. It is a, it is a statement, and we'll talk about it in a moment. It is a statement of great, great Commitment. It is a statement of giving Him, when we come to Him, our, our whole being. All that we are. And that's what Peter is going to talk about today to you and me. And that's why we're only going to look at two verses. Because he wraps it all up in these two verses. So would you please read with me verse 4 and verse 5. Peter says in verse 4, And coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. Watch verse 5. You also, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Your life and my life is to be someone who, as a living stone, just as Jesus Christ is called a living stone, we are to be built up. We are to be a spiritual house. And when it talks about a spiritual house, it's not talking about this wonderful building that the Lord God allowed us to have. Not talking about that. When he talks about the a living, when he talks about the house, the uh, uh what I read here just a moment ago? Just uh, the spiritual house. He's talking about you and me as individuals. He's talking about that we are to encourage one another. If you ever wonder why I tell you I love you, it's because of that reason. It's because of, of the very fact that I, I have a chance to maybe tell you that nobody else has told you today that I love you and that I thank God for you as a friend. I'll tell you, this, really, this, this whole premise of that really hits home to me. I have a very dear friend, very dear friend. He's older than me. Known him since college. I have told him over and over again that I love him. I always watch him kind of kind of like he leans a little bit on that, you know. Okay. He's never said that to me. This was about, this happened about a year ago. Phone call. It was him. He said, you know, you always tell me you love me. Uh, yeah, I do. I do, Tommy. I love you a lot. He says, you know, he says, "Um, nobody's ever told me that. Not my dad, not my mom. Here he is 80 years old plus. You're the only one, he says, that tells me that with any regularity. We talked a little bit and he says, I want to say something to you before I hang up. I said, what, Tom? He says, I love you. He doesn't do that very easily. My other friend who... Is similar to him, probably the closest friend I have in life. I've known him, and we roomed together way back in college, and we we talked to each other, I don't know, three, two, three times a day. He'd call me all the time. He's, he's retired. He didn't have anything to do. He just calls me, and we, we talk, and we laugh. And he's one of the most genuine persons I've ever known in my life. He's a leader's leader. He's, a, he's amazing. He's amazing. He he now has put on his phone, he said, uh, this is, he says his name when you call, and then he leaves this message. He says, let me remind you, I love you more than life itself. You know where he got that from? Me. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he stole that from me. He put that on his phone. I'm very jealous I didn't do that. Now if I do it, I'd be stealing from him. The reason I tell you that, folks, is that, the reason I say that I love you, I truly do, because you help me get in the Word of God. You're helping me, become, helping me to become the man that I believe God wants me to become. I need you desperately. But the reason I do tell you is that I don't want you to go through a day that I see you that someone doesn't tell you that he loves you. I want you to know that. And that's what we are to do here in these two verses. It is a building up of the body of Christ. It is making our church all that God wants it to be. And it can't be done by one person alone. It has to be done by all of us. Now, I know I'm jabbering on. I'm not not even in my notes. I I don't want anybody to force you, namely me. I don't want you to be forced into serving the Lord if you don't feel that that's what you want to do at this time. I want this to be your choice. I believe God wants it to be your choice. I don't want you to feel like you are obligated or it's a duty. That's another thing about this message. I want you to feel and sense in your spirit this is a privilege that you have to serve God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. Now, let's pray. Father, please, I've jabbered enough. Please forgive me, Lord. I I want to get into this message so much. I love it. I pray that you will uh, open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. The very Bible we read, Father, that we would be blessed by understanding it more. Help us, Father, to do that. Move me aside so that will be possible. Let me not get in the way of anything that you want to say to any of us today. Let this be a pure lesson from your heart to ours because I believe it's critical for us as a church to understand How desperately you want us to be blessed. And blessings come through serving. So let us understand that a little bit more today, I pray, Father. In Jesus' most precious name, Amen. Verse 4 is key. Coming to Him. Our coming to Him is an empowering that God gives to those of us who, in verse 1... Put aside all our sin, and as it, as we learned in chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen. I don't think that'll be up on the screen. It might be. Uh, it's not. But it, but it, listen to to what it says. He told us in verse fifteen. But like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Verse sixteen of chapter one. Because it is written, you shall be holy. For I am holy. You see, the spiritual life that you and I have is to put aside all the sin and to walk with God as a holy human being. Now, that's intimidating. We talked about that word when we went through this place in Scripture. Being holy is just simply confessing any known sin that you have and, and asking God to forgive you so that He would cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what it means to be holy. Now this word, come to him, is explained by and through the compound verb, coming to him. In the Greek, it is P-R-O-S-E-R-C-H-O-M-E-N-O-I. It's a long word. It conveys much more than just simply coming to the Lord. It conveys the whole idea of moving towards him with your entire being, all that you are. It's like a call to obedience. That's what it's more like. And so we are to have this intimate, personal relationship with our Savior. As Hebrews tells us, the 7th chapter, the 25th verse, it says, He is able to save forever, catch that, He is able to save forever those of us who draw near to God through Christ. In other words, who come to Him. Since He, it goes on to say in Hebrews seven twenty-five. Since he always lives, get this, he always lives to make intercession or to make prayers for us. Part of his life is to pray for us. Last night I was watching a a football game, which is my bent. I like to watch football. And I was watching, I think, UCLA playing uh, Arizona, right? Is that... uh, Anyways, on on one of the plays, one of the receivers for Arizona got just hit really violently on the side. And he fell, and and he looked like he was just kind of uh, sitting there for a while. And and they they cared for him, and they they took him out of the game, and they mentioned his name was, was Austin Hill. And I said, oh my gosh, I think that's David Hill's son. So I text David this morning, and I said, Dave, was that your son that got hit? If so... I was praying for him. I had been praying for this young man because it was pretty violent. He texts me back immediately, as you would do when someone's talking about your son. He says, yeah, that was Austin. That was my son. And thank you. Thank you for your prayers. He's fine. Our Lord, He thanked me for my prayers. In Hebrews 7.25 it says, He always lives to make prayers for you. When's the last time you thanked Him for that? That He is praying for your very being. How about this verse in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8? It says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God. In other words, come to Him, and He will draw near to you. Therefore, it says, Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. In other words, As it says in verse 1, put aside all sin. Now, let me ask you a question. Why are we to do this? What's the big fuss in all of this? What is Peter moving you and me towards in this most intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, in verse 5, Peter prepares us to serve the Lord with all of our hearts. Read with me again verse 5. Look. You also, in other words, it says in verse 4 that Jesus Christ is a living stone. But he says now, in verse 5, you and I, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, are living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house. Why? For a holy priesthood. Why? So as to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what's the problem in the church? Why do we not look at that and say, okay, I'm a living stone. What a privilege. I'm, I'm like Christ in that mas- fashion. So I am so to be built up and I'm to build others up and I'm a, to be like a spiritual house of, uh, for a holy priesthood and I'm to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God. In other words, I'm to use the spiritual gifts that God has given me for the family of God to build up one another. What's the problem with that? Well, first, I believe too many believers view the Christian life of serving as more of a duty than it is a privilege. I'm going to talk about that in a moment through Debbie, who who shared last week, her and her son, about serving in the children's ministry. But the, the real privilege of serving isn't a duty. It's an honor to serve the Lord with whatever gift He has given you. And some tend to be so preoccupied that the pressure of serving the Lord becomes too much for them. And and, and in so doing, they miss the the lasting privileges that that God wants to give you as you serve Him with with a joyful heart. Many worry about time. We don't have enough time. I understand that. I totally understand it. Or you don't feel like you have the ability to, to really serve the Lord as you should. You, you know, I think, I honestly think, I'm not say, trying this for a joke. I honestly think that's why God allowed me to be a preacher. I think it's to show everybody that anybody can do this. Anybody is, 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 is it's possible. All you have to do is desire to do it. And, and, and prepare yourself to do whatever it is that God has gifted you to do. In not doing that, you miss the blessings. Blessings that you'll receive. I've received so many blessings from you. But the biggest blessings are the blessings when you help another person to grow in their faith through the spiritual gift. Look, look. this one won't be for a couple of weeks, if not more. But but look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Just jump ahead. I I think I threw this also in last night. Uh this wasn't on the screen, I don't think. So excuse me for that, you guys. But in First Peter chapter 4, I want you to look at me at verses 10 and 11. No, look verse 10. As each one has received a special gift. You might want to note that. It doesn't say a few of you or a chosen few of us. It says each one has received a special gift. Therefore, verse, nine, verse 10, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He says in verse 11, Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. This is why we at this church preach this. This is what we do. We preach not our ideas about, about faith or, or church or, or, or whatever. We don't give you what is our thoughts. We speak by the grace of God, the utterances of God. That's why we go word upon word, line upon line. We want you to hear from God, not from me. And I'll tell you what, for any preacher that doesn't open the Bible and starts telling you about the philosophy of life, I'll tell you how much it's worth. I did this the first service. I didn't have any in there. It's worth the lint I have in my pocket. That's what you should give them. Thank you very much. That's fine. That's enough. Thanks. You don't want to hear man's philosophy on what religion is, you want to hear what God has to say. But that's not my point. I want you to look back again at verse 11. It talks about those of us who serve. It says, whoever serves, let them do so by the strength which God supplies. I want you to know something. What I do here, if is The reason I think I'm still passionate, the reason I think I still have the energy is not because... I'm special. It's because I don't try to do any of this on my own power. Not one bit of it. I, when I'm praying upstairs or when I'm praying here, before I walk up here, I ask God to empty me of anything and everything of myself and you, Father, speak through me. I, that's And, and that was not, uh, that's not special for me. That's for all of us. When we serve, it says let him do so by the strength which God supplies. Why? So that all this God may be glorified through His Son. That's why we do what we do to honor the Lord through whatever He has given us to do within the body of Christ. Let me begin by telling you this. I don't know how it works, to be honest with you, and I don't know what it exactly feels like. In other words, I know what it feels like to me But I don't think I can completely tell you what to expect once you start serving the Lord. I believe you're going to have to experience that for yourself. Even though it might be tough to explain, I think then you'll be able to understand. And I'm certain there's a number of people here that could stand up before you right now and say the same thing I'm saying. In essence, the blessings are all theirs for serving. Jesus Christ said in John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life, He said. The person who comes to Me, He says, will not hunger. And he who believes in Me will never thirst. How do you explain that? He says in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. And he who believes in Me, He says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. How do you explain that? but I, un- I understand it I get it I just can't explain it exactly to you coming to him coming to Christ is to leave behind the physical realm of your life in other words put sin aside and move into this spiritual realm where you become holy in all of your behavior don't ask me to explain that either by the way but I think all of you remember last week that we're here, Debbie Yost and her little son, Caden. I was so impressed by it. I wanted to do it in the second service. I couldn't because they left by that side door before I got a chance to. But in the first service, I asked Debbie's uh, permission and, and, his, and Caden's father's permission to carry him up here on the pulpit. And I carried him up and I put him here and I said, look at all the people, Caden. And he looked, and, and you you saw how precocious this young boy was. He's just full of life. And I says, I think one day you might be preaching to people like this. Does, this. does this intimidate you, I said? And, of course, he said, no. And so I let him down, and and I thought about that. That has impacted me a lot. In Debbie's life, Debbie Yost, before she started to serve, I don't think she would have ever been able to tell you what it felt like. You see, she was sitting in, in the congregation just like all of us. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to her, she said, in her testimony when she was standing here before us. And she said she went out and signed up for BBS. And then after that, she signed up to teach and then or to assist. And then she started teaching. And I, I don't know if Caden did it at both services, but in one of the services, he said, Everybody should be taught by my mommy. I thought that was, I mean, that was off the chart. But I wondered, all the blessings that Debbie is experiencing, did she think it would affect her children as well? Was that a part of the deal before she went out and taught? I don't know. I doubt it. I'll ask her. But that might not even happen to you. You see, how God will bless you, well, that's totally his business. But bless you he will. That is a promise out of the Word of God. And I am here as a living testimony that He will bless you. Not all of it is not all of it is a bed of roses. There's thorns in there too, but the blessings are amazing. And as I grow older and kind of wind things down a little bit in my life as a as how long I can do this, who knows, I'm going to try. But I can't imagine not studying the Bible. I can't imagine not teaching someone something. It's a part of me now. I don't want to miss the blessings. I don't. And I don't want you to miss them. Paul told the folks in Ephesus that in Christ alone all the spiritual blessings will flow. Let me read you Ephesians 1, 3. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You have all the blessings you need. They're just waiting to be poured out on you by the Lord. So Peter tells us here in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, that Jesus is not just the stone or the rock. He is the living stone. He is the one who lives forever. He is the one who has been risen from the dead. He is the one who is eternal and gives to all who trust in Him everlasting life. Listen to Paul. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verse 9. Paul says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death, no longer is master over him. But that's not all. It says in verse 10, For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, verse 11, here it is, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's the greatest privilege you and I have. Be dead to sin and alive to God through His Son Jesus Christ. You know what's so amazing about all of this? In in verse four, this choice, this precious stone of God, a living stone, Jesus Christ. He is precious and choice in the sight of God, but nonetheless, he is rejected by mankind. If you see it in verse four, but this was predicted. Uh, In Psalms 118, verse 22, Peter quotes in verse 7, Psalms 118, verse 22, saying, The stone which the builders rejected, this stone has become the chief cornerstone, talking about Jesus. Even though the self-righteous religious Jew of that day and the unbelievers of today and all cults of today who have rejected Jesus Christ as being God, a very God, they refuse to trust and believe in Him, yet, Nonetheless, verse 4, he is still choice and precious in the sight of God. Just as in Matthew, chapter 3, verse 17, when, when Jesus was walking, there was a voice comes down from heaven which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I, God says, am well pleased. Look, if God's that well pleased with him, so should we be this choice and precious living stone, the one that we call our Savior, Jesus Christ, He comes to us, and through Peter, we too are called living stones. Look at verse 5 again. You also, you also as living stones, you're being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You are to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To be a living stone for Christ means that you and I have living within us through our faith, the eternal life of Jesus Christ. He is living within your life. He wants to do great things in and through your life and my life. Amazing as that might sound. As 1 John 3, 2 states, we too one day will be like Him. It says that we are children of God. It's not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Can you imagine being like our Savior? To believe in Christ is to be united with Him, which is our spiritual privilege. It's our privilege. Therefore, we're not just to worship and obey or to pray to Him. Uh-uh, no, we're, we're to be united with Him forever. United as a living stone Listen to Peter. In fact, I want you to see this. This is just, this is priceless. We're kind of winding down. This is absolutely priceless. Um, In 2 Peter chapter 1, look at it for me for a moment. Remember when I read to you at first, and this was not a part of my notes. It was just a thought. But when I read that we've obtained an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for us by the power of God. That's Peter. Peter wanted to encourage. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He tells us of our blessings in Christ. He says, seeing that His divine power... You might want to note that. The very divine power of God has granted to us what? What does it say in your Bible? I have a New American Standard. What does it say? What's the next word? Everything? Everything. A New American Standard says everything. By His divine power... It has been granted to you and me everything that pertains to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him. The true knowledge of Him only comes through a study of the Word of God. This is the only way you and I will have a true knowledge of who is God by the study of the Word of God. Those of us who are called by His own glory into excellence. Listen, for by these, verse 4, for by these... Our God has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them, what? By these precious and magnificent promises we may become partakers of the divine nature. The very nature of God is flowing through our veins. The very essence of who God is flowing through us as believers in Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? That is such great news. It's not all, though. There's so much other. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, You are no longer strangers and aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household. That's what we are here at the Rock Community Church. We are fellow citizens. We are saints, one with another, and we are of God's household, building up the house of God. Verse 20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets the foundations of the apostles and prophets is the Word of God. Christ Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, whom you also, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. We are all to be building up this wonderful church that the Lord has given us. Not the four walls. I'm talking about each other. Helping, encouraging one another telling each other that we love one another or whatever is your expression. You don't have to do that just because I do. I, I do that only because I am my mother's son. I mean, my mom, if she saw a stranger walking down the street, she'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love you. Ah, come on, mom. And now I'm like her. And that's something. The foundation of this spiritual household, verse 20, are the Apostles. When Peter led people to Christ on the day of Pentecost, 3,000. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they were continually, these people that came to Christ newly in their faith, I love this verse, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. That's what we do here when we love on one another. The breaking of bread, communion, communion. And through prayer, as we pray for one another, at the end of this service, there'll be some that'll be up here. If you have any prayer requests, anything that you would like for us as a church to pray about, they will pray for you. At the end of this church, there will be time. People will be up here. Now, as I try to close this down, I believe that Paul put the responsibility as priests and saints in yours and my corner. He's asked us to be a part. When Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God. It's your spiritual service of worship. It's what you and I are to do. Now, as we close, I, I want you to think, do you ever wonder, what's the major function of the Rock Community Church? What's, what's our major function? What, what ought to we be doing? I'll tell you in a nutshell. We are to advance the kingdom of God. That's what we've been called to do. And how do we do this? Well, I'll tell you how. By stimulating and encouraging one another to fulfill our priestly duties, to be the the person that God has called us to be. That's That's our job. We are called to fulfill that function within the life of the church today. Our church right now, by the grace of God, is healthy. It is healthy in many, many ways. More healthy than any place I've ever been a part of or at any other time. We are just healthy. And the reason we are now getting ourselves, uh, uh, getting some foundation under us, now we'll be able to go out into the community. Now we'll be able to go out into the world as we build up a, a financial base to be able to help others. It's, it's the best thing we could do as a body of believers. But first and foremost, we're to do that to one another. The divine measure of a church is how we present ourselves. You present your body, Paul said, not their body, your body, as a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord. I want to close with that. I I just want to say to you, if you've not come to Christ, come, please, come. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I'll be patient, and so will the Lord. But don't try His patience. Don't. Because you and I don't know what this afternoon will bring us, we don't have the ability to say, I'll I'll, I'll think about this and do it later. We don't own later. I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, we don't own later. All we own is what we have right now. I beg of you to give your heart to Christ. Ask Him, To forgive you of your sin. For those of you who know the Lord, I beg of you, don't serve Him as if it were a duty. If you serve the Lord, do it purely because you just can't do anything else but become like Debbie Yost, someone who is sitting here, not doing much, and then all of a sudden, one thing led to another, and now she's serving the Lord, and as I guess she would confess, she's wreaking on all the blessings. I want that for you. Now, let me tell you I love you with all my heart. I want to close this with prayer. I want to thank you um, for being here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to come here and speak to you every week. I love you so much. I do. Father, bless each and every person here. If there's any prayer requests, Father, would they come up and Pray with, those, pray with those who are up here, who are more than willing to pray with them. And, and Father, if there's anyone that comes, want to trust in you, they will help them come to trust and understand what does that mean to accept Christ. Lord, bless us, please, as we go from here, wherever you may take us. Bless us, Father, and may may we also be a blessing to those we come in contact with. I pray in Jesus' precious name, Amen. You know I love you guys so much. Thanks for being here and